Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. As we study, as we learn, fill us with your love, your grace, your mercy. Strengthen us in the faith of Christ Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Being the light of Christ Jesus is what we are called to do. We are called to be a lighthouse unto the world. But there are a lot of people in this world that would rather blow out that light, that would try to dim the light in many ways, that would want to make you compromise your faith. And that's what we really have been taking a look at in the past several weeks, is a faith that is uncompromising, uncompromising faith. And intellectually, we know we are supposed to do that, but when push comes to shove, it can be pretty hard, it can be very daunting to have an uncompromising faith. So an uncompromising faith is a faith that says, I will follow Jesus, I will trust him, no matter the circumstances, even when we are thrown into the fire, even when the heat gets turned up. So this morning we are going to continue in Daniel chapter 3. And our roadmap this morning is this. It is the pressure to compromise, and we're going to revisit that. We covered that last week, but we're going to revisit that, the pressure to compromise. Not compromising even when the fire is turned up. And knowing that God is with us in the fire. Okay, so let's go back to the pressure to compromise. So if you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar had made a golden statue, and when the music played, you were to bow down and worship that statue. So if you're bowing down and worshiping that statue, what's that called? Idolatry, right? That's what we covered last week. It is called idolatry, and idolatry is no small thing. Idolatry is when you worship anyone or anything other than the one true God. And what commandment did we cover last week where God says, you must not idolize anything else other than him? What is, what's that commandment? It's the first commandment. The first commandment is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other God before me. This is the first commandment. It is the greatest commandment of them all. Do you remember when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He actually went to Deuteronomy, the Shema, and it is this. The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And Jesus said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Did he leave anything out out of there? No, it is complete. It is your all in all. Now look, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said, well, look, I don't see anybody else who knows us. Let's just bow down and go with the crowd right now. We won't worship, we'll just bow down. Or they could have said, hey, you know what? 
uh, I will bow down, I'll worship, but God knows my heart, really. Or they could have said, look, I don't want to be a rabble rouser. I'm just going to bow down so I don't get in trouble, so I don't get harmed. I mean, they could have done all of that, right? But they did not bow down because God says, I want you all, everything, your entire being, that's the relationship you are to have with me. No matter the culture, no matter the government, the leaders, the laws, God first above all things. And this is hard for us as followers of Christ because the culture, the government, the laws, and other things do want you to bow down to certain things. So for us, an uncompromising faith Standing up in the face of pressure takes an uncompromising faith. It takes abiding in Christ and his gospel. That's what we stand on. That's what we hold to no matter what may come our way, even when the fire gets turned up, even when you're thrown into the fire. Let me give you an example of somebody who was literally put in the fire. His name is Polycarp. So he lived from 69 AD, and we actually have the date of his death because he was martyred, February 23rd, 155 AD. He was a disciple of the apostle John. So he learned directly from John and ultimately became a bishop in Smyrna. So he was told by the proconsul, by the Roman authorities, that he was to deny the name of Jesus. He was given the choice of cursing Jesus' name or living and living, right? Curse Jesus' name and live or confess Jesus and die. He said this to the proconsul, 86 years have I served Christ and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? The proconsul threatened him Throwing him to the wild beast, Polycarp said, call them. The proconsul said that he would be burned by fire. Polycarp said, you threaten me with fire which burns for a season, and after a little while is quenched. But you are ignorant of the fire of the future judgment and eternal punishment, which is reserved for the ungodly. But why do you delay? Come, do what you will. Polycarp had the faith to say, even if I've been put to the fire, I will not deny Christ Jesus. Now, was it the faith that he had in his faith? It wasn't how strong he was in his faith. It was how strong Christ is. It was Christ Jesus and his gospel. He put his faith in him, the one who died, the one who rose again. And that's the difference it is a difference of a faith about versus a faith in. When people have a faith about God or about Jesus, it's just this intellectual faith. But a faith in God, in Jesus, in the cross, in the gospel, is the one that carries you through. It is the one that allows you to stand firm 
even under the face of pressure, even when you are in the fire. It is a faith that says, I will trust him in all things. I will trust his word and his promises. I trust in the gospel. This is what Polycarp had. This is what you and I are to have. Now, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Christ had not been there yet, right? But they had a trust in God, in the sovereign God. And so what do they tell King Nebuchadnezzar? If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. This is the faith that would not compromise. God above all things, even when the fires turned up. So let's go with verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them in the burning, fiery furnace. You have to understand the power of King Nebuchadnezzar. He ruled over everything. In his kingdom, he had the power of life and death. And for somebody to say, no, king, we will not obey you, was a huge affront to him, to his power, to his ego. And it says that his, the expression of his face changed in a literal manner. The image of his face changed. Now, you, have you ever been with somebody where all of a sudden they seem to be nice, but their face just like changed into something almost demonic. I mean, you see this on TV shows, right? With the serial killer who seems really nice and then they say something and all of a sudden like the music plays, gets scary. But that happens. That happens with people. That also happens in cultures too, by the way. Where all of a sudden the culture seems nice towards you, but then the visage, the facade of the culture just goes away and you see the anger, the wrath behind it. Let me give you an example of somebody who bore the brunt of a culture. Now, this is not a Christian example, by the way. This is somebody who simply stood up and gave a different opinion. I'm sure you know the Harry Potter books, the author, J.K. Rowling. She had the audacity to support a woman who was fired. Let me give you a little backstory here. In the United Kingdom, Maya Forstarter was fired in March of 2019 after she posted a series of tweets questioning the government's plans to let people declare their own gender. On December 19th, so it was brought to court, the case was brought to court. On December 19th, Four Starters' case was dismissed at an unemployment tribunal after a judge determined her views, get this, her views 
are not worthy of respect in a democratic society. So to even say that there are simply two genders and do it publicly can get you fired. And now a judge says that view is not even respected in a democratic society. Okay, that's the backstory. So here's what Rowling tweeted. Dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who will have you. Live your best life in peace and security. But force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? Then it's hashtag I stand with Maya and hashtag this is not a drill. Now, by the way, up until this point, she had been an ally of the LGBTQ community. She'd been an alley, somebody they held up. Oh, but the, the visage changed in a moment, and the fury was unleashed. And now she is an enemy combatant. And she hasn't backed down. She hasn't backed down. She hasn't apologized whatsoever. So have you seen examples of now where the culture has shifted against Christianity? And have you ever experienced the fury or the wrath of a person or group of people who want you to apologize, to bow down, to worship some ideological position? The fire does get turned up, right? For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire did get turned up. It says this, the king's fury was lit. He ordered the furnace uh, heated seven times more than it was usually heated. So, in this case, the furnace would have been like a smelting furnace to melt metal. And it would have been similar to what you see on screen here as a picture it would have been more like an inverted funnel. So you'd have a smaller opening on top with a larger opening down below. And to say it was heated seven times more overheated, that's simply to say it was heated as hot as he could get it. So normally, how hot was the furnace? Normally, it was about 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit is about the temperature you need to melt various metals. How hot is that? Let me give you an example. At 111, do you ever walk in your, on your sidewalk barefoot in the summer? I learned that once here, not to do that ever again. But at 111 degrees, your feet, the skin can burn, but it takes several hours to really burn. However, at 154 degrees, it only takes six seconds for your skin to start burning. At 160 degrees, it takes less than a second for your skin to start to burn. The oven was at least 1,800 degrees. It would literally just practically vaporize things. You couldn't even yell because if you took a breath in, your lungs would have been melted immediately. That's how hot the furnace was. The furnace was so hot, 
It says this, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it was so hot that even the guards died. But a miracle occurred there, didn't it? Because God was with them in the fire. Let's go to verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar all right, I've got it a little longer here. You've got just verse 25 there. Uh, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods, like a son of the gods. This was a miracle, right? See, not only were they not burnt up immediately, but they were able to walk freely in the fire. And it wasn't just the three of them. There was a fourth in there. Did King Nebuchadnezzar really understand who that fourth was? No, he didn't. But he knew that it had to be of divine power, a divine personage because that couldn't be otherwise. There was no earthly explanation for it. So who was this fourth person? Well, the truth is we don't know for sure. There are certainly good arguments that that was Jesus in the furnace with him. It could have been an angel of God, a messenger of God, because God does send angels as well. In either case, God is, intervened, didn't he? Whether that was Christ Jesus right there or an angel, God was with them through it all in the midst of the fire. And this is important that God is with you in the midst of the fire. One commentator said this, and he, he's referencing John Calvin. John Calvin pointed out that if God wanted to, he could have extinguished the flames of the fire in order to save the three men. But he saved them in the fire, not from the fire. And this is really important. We think that if we have faith in God, that we won't go through the fire. But the true faith in God is that he is with you in the fire. Through it all. Through it all. This is the faith. This is the biblical faith. This is the faith that Polycarp had. See, I think it's good for us to remember the names of Jesus at this time because there's one specific name that we're going to talk about here. It is a name that is given to him that should bring us great, great comfort. It is a name that we normally talk about during Advent or Christmas. It is a name by which we sing a song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Do you remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. Not God a part of us, apart from us. Not God sometime in the future. Not God some far away by the side of us, but God with us. 
See, in the world of darkness, in the world of sin, God sent his son to be with us. To be with us in the midst of darkness. Because really, when you're in the fire, and I know this is going to kind of mix metaphors a little bit, but when you're in the fire, where, when you're in the trial, when you're in the tribulation, things seem dark, don't they? You think about the toughest times in your life going through the fire. And we talk about those as hard times. Sometimes it's really dark times. But this is where the light of Christ shines through in the midst of all of that. This is why we had our reading from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In our reading from 2 Corinthians, for God said, let the light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. God, Jesus, with us. In the midst of it all. Do we want to go through fires? No. Actually, if you really do want to go through a fire, talk to me afterwards, have a little conversation. But we do go through fires, don't we? We go through those hard difficult times. As a matter of fact, you know what? If you are a follower of Jesus and you say, I'm going to follow you no matter where you lead, you will go through hard times. You will be pressured to bow down to idols, to forsake the name of Jesus, to be silenced. You will go through those times. And that's why we stand on the rock. That's why we cling to the cross. Look, Polycarp knew the cross and Christ Jesus and the gospel so well that he clung to them and he said, come, do what you will. He had no fear, not because he was so strong, because Jesus is so strong. That's the faith that he had. That's the faith that you and I are to have. See, even in the midst of what seems to be hardship, what seems to be pressure, to compromise our faith, we look to the cross of Christ Jesus. We look to his eternal word. This week, you should probably look up Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Listen We normally read 38 and 39, but listen to what comes before it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then Paul says, no, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
That's biblical faith. Now, as I promised you last week, I said I would tell you the second half of the story of Randy Elkhorn. So let me give you the second half of Randy Elkhorn. Just briefly, remember, he was a pastor. He was involved in pro-life, going to an abortion clinic to be able to tell the women that God loves them and does not want them to go in that building. He broke no laws. But he was sued by the abortion clinic. The judgment was against him. And he did not want uh, the church to bear the brunt of it. And so he stepped down from being a pastor. He also didn't want his wages garnished. So uh, you'll find out later on what he did regarding that. And then there was a second judgment, remember? $8.2 million, $250,000 against all of the defendants, the largest judgment around. I mean, talk about things looking dark, looking grim. So in his words... By all appearances, our lives had taken a devastating turn, right? Wrong. The judgment was one of the best things that ever happened to us. Because what others intended for evil, God intended for good. My family faced this situation with a firm belief that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving, and that no matter what happened, he would work things out for our ultimate good, and that's exactly what he did. Despite the 8.2 million court judgment, we never lost our house due to someone's kindness. Our daughter was able to continue attending the church's school. We began a new ministry called Eternal Perspective Ministries, and while paying a minimum wage, because, by the way, in Oregon, that's the Oregon law said if you got minimum wage, they couldn't garnish your wage. So he took minimum wage. So all of the royalties from his books went to charities. And wouldn't you know it, suddenly I had books on the bestseller list and royalties began to dramatically increase. One of the first books I wrote was about having to leave pastoral ministry after leaving pastoral ministry, was pro-life answers to pro-choice arguments, one of the best-selling pro-life books in history, widely used to train young people and other pro-life advocates to speak up for the unborn. Now, the original court judgment of $8.2 million was enforced for uh, 10 years. But the abortion clinics were frustrated because they couldn't garnish his wage. He was just making minimum wage. So they went to court again, and it got extended for another 10 years. He was making minimum wage for 20 years. But he says this, God provided faithfully, and most of the time we didn't even think about it, with joy in our hearts now nearly 30 years later, Nancy and I continue to give away, Nancy, his wife, and I continue to give away 100% of the book royalties. He's no longer under minimum wage, but he's still giving away all of his royalties for his books. Our staff recently pointed out to me we'd given away over $8.2 million in royalties, an amount that has now ironically and delightfully surpassed the judgment against us and the whole group of 
pro-lifers all those years ago. So he says, God is sovereign over all things. God was not worried by what happened to Randy Alcorn and his family. God didn't even make, he says, God didn't make the best of a bad situation. He didn't say, oh, that's pretty bad. I got to do something about that. He said this, he took a bad situation and used it for his highest good. Is that not the gospel message? God didn't look at the world and say, well, you know what? It's kind of bad. Let me give at least one option here. No, he took a look at the world that was sin sick. And he gave his only son. And all the glory is unto God for Christ Jesus, for salvation. He took a sin-sick world and used it for his highest good. This is the grace and the mercy of God. And I think that's the lesson here. Because King Nebuchadnezzar made a decree about the highest God, the most high God, that there was freedom now to worship the most high God. So God used that miracle, not just for the three men, but for his glory. And see, that's the difference of having a faith about versus a faith in. A faith about says, God's going to save me for my sake. God's going to save me for his sake, for his glory. There's a whole world of difference between those two things. So for you this week, ponder this. Is your faith about Jesus or is your faith in Jesus? Do you cling to the cross? Do you cling to the gospel? Do you trust that Jesus will be with you in the midst of the fire? Not just to save you from the fire, but to be there in the midst of the fire. And finally, what are personal examples of fires you've been through that God used for his highest glory? Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you. We thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you that you are steadfast in your love. And we thank you for Christ Jesus, God, with us. Help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to cling ever tighter to Jesus, to the cross, to his gospel. Strengthen us in our faith. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.